0: Growing up whenever we took any kind of trip, even if it was just a day trip to Cleveland, mom would pack an emergency kit, a change of clothes, snacks. And especially in these days when a drive to Cleveland is taken without much of a thought as you might take going down to the corner sto- store, these preparations might seem a little bit like overkill. And even when we would go on a bus trip with school, there would be my emergency kit. And it was both expected by and made merciless fun of by my classmates. Got your survival kit with you? We're going all the way to Akron today. We might get attacked by wild boars there. You never know. And one particular time I remember, I was with one group or another from school and we were going to Cedar Point. We were supposed to pack a lunch, so that wasn't so bad, but I was made considerable fun of for having my emergency kit with me, which had a complete change of clothes in it. It's always good to have a dry set of clothes with you, mom said, and so I was packed away like we were going to New York. Well, wouldn't you know it, that day, Cedar Point was hit with one of the worst downpours I would ever seen. It got instantly dark, and the wind picked up, and the rain came down so hard it was like standing underneath a waterfall. First the rides closed, and then the whole park closed down, and they started making announcements that we were going to have to evacuate the park. And it took a while for everyone to make their way to the bus but eventually we all got there and for some reason when they turned on the air in the bus they couldn't get the heater going. It was just cold air blowing around and so everybody was in the dark, it was wet and they were freezing. Oh wait a minute, not everybody. <laughs> and so I go, oh look at this, a dry shirt, how nice is this? You know the only thing that would make it better? A nice, dry, dry pair of socks. Oh, look at this! <laughs> yeah, I it's probably lucky I didn't get beat up. But good for mom for keeping watch over her charges, even when others might roll their eyes, including her son. And to this day, I still occasionally carry an emergency change of clothes with me. And it has also led to the terrible habit of overpacking. So you show up at somebody's place and they go, just how long were you planning on staying? I said, don't worry, I'm a contingency packer. I thought about this when contemplating the references we had today to Noah's Ark there he was building his ark. Why? To protect his family. He was a good man, a dedicated and loving father, a foresighted and focused dad. He served God diligently, and he worked toward the ultimate safety, comfort, and well-being of his family even while others, including his own family perhaps, pointed at him and laughed. Doesn't this seem a little bit like overkill, dad? Because that's exactly what everybody needs, a giant ship in their backyard. What are you gonna do? You gonna carry it on your back to the sea? Is it gonna fly there? Thank you for this eyesore in our neighborhood. And it would have been easy to give up. I could see it, fine. Forget it. But Noah, and to some extent, you and I go on. Noah did what he thought was best and good despite what others said and did. And in Matthew, there is this report. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. And then it was all over. It wasn't as those others weren't warned and given an example, but it was Noah, the good father, whose family was saved from the flood. Like I was saved from being cold and wet on the trip in Cedar Point. And for that matter, that you were saved when your parents brought you to the baptismal font and you passed through the waters of baptism and entered into a permanent covenant with God. And even though that happened to you, it does not mean that you are protected from everything that happens on earth. It is true that Noah and his family were saved from the flood, but they still experienced the flood and the tragedy of the world around them. I may have been protected from from cold, wet clothes, but I still went through the rainstorm in the first place and then was surrounded by those who were not as well equipped. In a similar way, in the gospel today, we are told that Jesus was in the desert for 40 days, but, he, but angels ministered to him. And isn't that nice? It sounds pretty cushy. But you know what? He was still in the desert. He was still tempted by satan and he was still surrounded by wild beasts the good father watched over his son and sent him angels to protect him and they did but that doesn't mean that jesus didn't suffer the flood of the world around him hunger and danger that noah and his family didn't suffer the flood of those around them and that you sons and daughters of your heavenly father made an heir of heaven, anointed priests, prophets, and kings who have been protected from all past sin and made the future forgiveness of sin possible and have been saved from death are not also going to have to suffer the floods of the modern world. That's just the way it is. Being a really good Christian does not mean that everything goes right for you. What it means is you won't die. It means the promise of future eternity and glory. When you were driving to mass today, you might have noticed that our flag over here is flying at half-mast in recognition of those who lost their lives in that terrible school shooting that we had in Florida this past week. The floodwaters of this world hit that community, and I would imagine it hit the faithful and the unfaithful alike. And although he will probably be hauled out, and as we saw today in the newspaper he was down there, crosses and candles everywhere, God is not allowed legally to be a part of that school's healing. Their life will become metal detectors, security cameras, guards, Locked doors, emergency drills, and assemblies that help people discern others who might be a potential threat. And these, all these things will increase your chance of staying alive when the floods come. But only one keeps you from death, even when you are in the very teeth of death. And that is entering into the flood waters with God and trusting him, not to avoid the flood, but that he will see you through. And knowing and believing this will give you courage. Not that this erases our fears, but that we will become braver than our fears. And being brave is more effective than metal detectors and walls and safe spaces because it gives you courage to be charitable and to bring healing in the midst of the flood. Maybe only at first to ourselves, bring healing to ourselves, and then maybe those closest to us, and over a long enough period of times, maybe a lifetime, our community. And then maybe if we are fortunate, even our culture itself, which has happened in history, and it works slowly, slowly and surely, because it means if you have hope and promise and life, if you choose it, like Noah, to heed your father, like Noah's children heeded their dad, because separation from the father is hell. It just is. It is walls and guards. And though many people would rather it for various reasons, not so us. And in these 40 days of Lent, the fasting, prayer, and, and all of your Lenten promises and practices, we strive to listen to what our Father wants us to hear and to put it into action when, and especially when, we are tempted not to bother to prepare or be ready or vigilant because of bother or discouragement of others. And so that we are able to say, as the prophet Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord.